Thank you, Church, so much for that fantastic welcome. It's a joy to be with you. Thank you also for helping Grace and I celebrate our 11th grandchild. I couldn't think of a better place to be. In the presence of God, new life is so very precious. But you know what's even more precious? is new eternal life in Christ, in the person of Jesus. So as we start our service, you know, I'm reminded of a little girl who said to her mother, Mummy, why does Daddy always pray before he preaches? Mummy said, darling, so that God will help him. Then, Mummy, why doesn't he? <laughs> now, we hope that's not going to be true this morning, but I think we'll come before God and ask him to pour out the riches of blessing. Heavenly Father, we come before you in that wonderful name of your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you will pour out a blessing upon this place, such a blessing that the place will not be able to contain it. We want to give all the glory to you, but Father, as we open your word, we pray in the power of your spirit, you will speak to each one of us here and we'll be careful to give you all the glory because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you folks, but as you look around at the world today, do you occasionally feel a little bit depressed? When you think of the disasters that you see around the world, Pastor Mark's already spoken of that terrible earthquake and tsunami in Indonesia. Hundreds and hundreds of lives just wiped test, away. Test. When we also hear of some of the other things, such as volcanoes, we also hear of some of the tragedies of flooding, forest fires. You know, the loss of life is sometimes quite moving, and it can depress us. Do you know something, though? The Lord Jesus told, it was, told us it would happen. And he said, when you see it, it's but the beginning of birth pains. What did he mean? He means that the end is coming nigh. It means that Jesus is coming again soon. But that should give us an urgency, my brothers and sisters. An urgency to send, share the only message that will change this world. And it needs changing. Look at the political conflicts that there are at the moment. Total confusion wherever you look, in whatever scenario. Confusion in the financial markets, volatility. Confusion in the political markets. Look what's happening with Brexit. Anybody tell me what's going to happen with Brexit? Because I don't know. It's chaos. Can anybody tell me what next decision will come out of President Trump? I don't know. Don't think he knows either. <laughs> no, there's total confusion out there, my friends. But you know, there's one more even worrying thing about our society today, and that's a spiritual and moral decay. Yes. Look at the moral decay. Look at what's happening to our morality. Do you know, just this week, my little seven-year-old grandson came home from school and told his mother that a man who had trans into a woman had come to their school and said to all these seven-year-old kids, what do you want to be, a girl or a boy? It doesn't matter what you were born as. Seven-year-old child. That's the world we're living in. It doesn't know where it's going. It's completely confused. But you know what's even worse than that? The spiritual confusion. 
How often have you heard? Well, all the roads will lead to God, won't they? Doesn't matter what you believe in, does it? Believe in what suits your culture, what suits your personality. Now, you may not know, but I'm a surgeon. Can you imagine if someone comes into my consulting suite with a fatal condition, and I have to say to them, you need an operation urgently, otherwise you will die. And I've had to say that to patients. But what I don't go on to say is, but it doesn't matter what operation you have, have a really nice one. Have a nice painless operation. Have an operation that will suit your personality or your culture. Doesn't matter. One you can talk about at parties without embarrassment. We laugh. But that would be stupid. That would be dangerous. And I'd be struck off immediately. But that's what people are saying about God. Doesn't matter what God you serve. Doesn't matter what faith you have. My friends, it does matter. Any faith will not do. Paul reminds a young man called Timothy that the day will come yeah. when men will turn away from sound teaching. Yeah. Men will turn away from the truth. They'll turn to myths. They'll turn to people who tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Yeah. That day is now. And folks, we need to stand up because yeah. there's only one way to know salvation. There's one way to know true eternal life because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. <laughs> Folks, that is, that is the only message that will change lives today. You know, Queen Victoria was once asked, what's the secret of success of Britain during your reign. Do you know what she said? The Bible. That is the secret of success of Britain in my reign. But you know what? If somebody asked me today, I'd say something similar but very different. I'd say the Bible. That is the reason for our decline as a nation today because we turned our back on the Bible. Both the US and the UK had their constitutions founded on the Bible. And yet we're seeing an absolute turning away from the authority of God's word. My friends, we need to get back to the authority of the word of God. Yes. And I want to take as perhaps as our theme verse today, little verse that Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9. When he says this, but God's word is not chained. God's word is not bound. This precious book is nothing more or less than the maker's instruction to his creation. And it's not limited, it's not chained, it's not bound. But we must look into it because that is the maker's instructions. I often have a silly illustration. If you go and buy a washing machine and a lawnmower, it comes with a nice little book of its maker's instructions. How to get the best out of your washing machine. The best out of your lawnmower. But if you throw it away and say, I don't need that, it's my washing machine. It's my lawnmower. I'll do what I like with it. I'm going to put oil in my washing machine. And I'm going to put soap suds in my lawnmower. 
then don't go blaming the maker when you find your washing comes out absolutely ruined and you've got bubbles all over your lawn. <clears throat> but that's what's happening today. People are turning away and throwing away the maker's instructions and they're paying the penalty for it. So let's think about the word of God. The word of God is not chained. It's not bound. It's not chained or bound in its authority, in its application or in its activity. You know, the Bible is an extraordinary book. Let's think about its authority. 66 different books written by a whole diverse number of authors from kings to sages, from shepherds to prophets, from tax collectors to even a doctor written in tents in the desert, in palaces. It's an extraordinary book. It's completely diverse. So why is it so powerful? When I was in Indonesia, I met an airline pilot. He was a very experienced one. He flew jumbo jets all over the world. And he said to me this. He said, it's a very lonely life being an airline pilot. Most of the time you're in your cockpit flying a plane. And then when you get to your destination, you're in a hotel room on your own. I used to get so bored. And then I found, in many of the hotel rooms I was visiting, there was a book by the bedside. It was a Bible placed by the Gideons. And he said, I started to read it. And he says, as I read it, and I read it through many times from cover to cover, something hit me. It was written by so many different people, and yet there was a complete thread running right the way through it. And I started to realize there's something special about this book. And he came to be convicted that this was the word of God. And that man, that airline pilot, just by being bored in his hotel room, the Spirit of God made him read the Word of God. And he came through to a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, there's something special about this book. It's the only book that as you read it, the author turns up. And speaks to you. Amazing. It's a living book. My friends... The Bible is nothing more or less the inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of a sovereign, gracious, saving God. And therefore, we can't ignore it. It's not bound in its authority. Why? Because Paul tells Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. Written by many different people. But the Spirit of God breathed into them those words. That they may convey a message of a great creator, a sovereign God to his creature and his creation. So we can't ignore it. It has the authority of almighty God, an authority to change life. And does it change lives? We know it does. I've seen it at work. I've seen it at work in my patients. I've seen it at work all over the world. Wherever you go, God is changing lives. Let me tell you a story about a policeman. A policeman once came home, having had a lovely night out with his wife, a nice meal, and they opened the front door, and there, to their horror, water was pouring down the stairs. There'd been a burst pipe in their loft. So he gets on the phone and phones for a plumber. 
and the plumber duly turns up to ring on the bell and the policeman opens the door and then the policeman and the plumber recognize each other. The policeman had put the plumber away for robbery some time ago and both of them recognized each other and there was that kind of moment at the front door. And the plumber could see the policeman was looking very skeptical. He said, please sir, please sir, don't worry. When I was in prison, I found a little book in my cell and I started to read it. And as I read it, I read of a God who loved me. I read of a saviour who gave his life for me. And in prison, I became a Christian. Please, sir, don't worry. I will sort out your plumbing. The policeman reluctantly let him in. He didn't let him out of his sight for one millisecond. <laughs> <clears throat> Took him up to the loft, and the plumber duly sorted out the plumbing. And as he was going, he said, sorry, everything should be fine now, sir. By the way, do you have a Bible in your house? I think so. Then read it, sir. And off went the plumber. The policeman didn't think anything more about it. But three weeks later, knock on the door again. There was the plumber. Everything dry, sir? Yes, thank you very much. You did a good job, sir. Are you reading your Bible? The policeman was so flabbergasted at this that when the plumber went, he actually went and found the Bible. And he started to read the living, powerful word of God. And that word spoke to that policeman. And he too gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. But as he went into his police station, his superintendent started to notice a difference about this man. He said, what's changed? He said, well, sir, um, I've become a Christian. And by the way, sir, do you have a Bible in your office? <laughs> and the superintendent said, uh, uh, yes, then read it, sir. <laughs> All because of one little testament in a prison. And I know the local Gideons here visit Winston Green. There are Bibles in there that can change people's lives because the word of God is not chained. It's not bound in its authority. It's the authority of Almighty God. But it's also not bound in its application. And it's relevance to you and to me today. Because it changes lives. You see, the Bible is actually very bad news. Because it tells us the truth about ourselves. But it's also good news because it tells us about the love of God. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, it tells us of a love of a heavenly father. And that's why the Bible is not limited or bound in its application to convict, to convert, or to comfort. You see, it convicts. I had the opportunity of visiting prison. That may not surprise many of you. What usually surprises me, they let me out afterwards, but I was going in one day to see a young man called Brian. And I went in, and those of you who know prisons know what it's like, the doors clang, and I sat in this cell with this man, and I said, good morning, my name's Bill. He said, oh, mine's Brian. I said, that's nice, Brian. Tell me about yourself. He said, oh, well, that's a bit embarrassing. I said, no, I'm a friend, tell me. He said, took a deep breath and said, I've just murdered my wife. Don't know about you, but that's a bit of a conversation stopper. 
what do you say to me? Oh, hard luck, old chap. Well, you certainly don't say well done. <coughs> so I said, you better tell me some more. He said, I came home and found my wife in bed with another man and I killed them both. I know that all that's ahead of me now is life imprisonment. I tried to take my life, but I didn't, it didn't work. One day in my deep distress, I wandered into the prison library and there on the shelf was a book, the Bible. He said, I have to admit, I'd never read it. But I opened it and started to read and I realized that God could forgive sin, but I knew he could never forgive murder. I said, well, hold on, Brian. We went to those wonderful verses in John's first letter, chapter one, where it says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And that includes murder, Brian said. Really? I said, yeah, look. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that guy looked at those words and then with tears pouring down his face, Bram Piggott surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's power in the word of God. It's not bound in its application. It can convict. It can convert and change everything. Let me tell you about a young man in Nigeria. Many of you will be able to equate with this. A young man called Ben couldn't wait to leave home and find freedom. And as soon as he was old enough, he left home and joined the Nigerian army. And there he found the freedom of sex, smoking, drugs, alcohol. And Ben's life became one downward spiral. And one day, man, we don't know who it was, he doesn't know who it was, bravely went up to him and said, Ben, do you know that God loves you? Ben said, I blew a ring of smoke in his face in disdain. I was very proud how I could blow a perfect ring of smoke. But you know, I couldn't get those words out of my mind. God loves me? Me? He went back to his barrack room, sat on his bed, he opened his bedside locker, and out fell a little book that he got when he'd entered the Nigerian army. He threw it back in, but it fell out again picked it up and out of curiosity just opened it and then the words hit him between the eyes seek ye first the kingdom of God Ben was completely convicted there sitting on his bed in his barrack room and the spirit of God brought him to that point where he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ in those hospital in those uh, army barracks Ben left the army as soon as possible and went to Bible college he became a pastor he went back to his own city, Jos in Nigeria, which many of you will know where it is. And you know it's a very difficult area. When Ben went back there, there were six churches in Jos. There were now over 60. And Ben Kwashi is the bishop of Jos. Many of you will have heard of him. He is there sharing the gospel in the most difficult city. He himself has been attacked. His wife has been raped. His house has been burnt down. His church has been covered with human excrement. Ben said quite openly, I fully expected to be martyred for my faith. That man is changing lives all through the power of the word of God that's not limited in its application. It's not limited for you and I, my friend, because we need to know the truth of that book itself. We need to know the truth of knowing the love of Jesus in our lives. 
We need to know the truth of having that precious blood shed for sinners, shed for rebels, shed for me. You know, as a surgeon, I could tell you all the awful sufferings of crucifixion. I'm not going to. It's frightful. But that's as nothing as to what Jesus paid when he paid the penalty for your and my sin. When the judgment of God was poured out on my blessed Savior on that cross at Calvary, we sung of that precious blood. See, the Bible says not all the blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament can be used for the remission of sins. For the blood of one sinless man, the Son of God, shed for me, shed for rebels, shed for each one of us. You know, it's only then that you start to understand God's love in the fact he gave his only son. Many of you will remember the Hillsborough disaster in Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday's Club, semi-final of an FA Cup final when there was rioting and the young people were pushed in through the gates and right at the front there, 93 young people were crushed to death. It was an awful, awful day. A hospital in Sheffield where I worked was completely swamped. And I had to go up sometimes and see these people. One of the intensivists came down to me one day. He said, Bill, I can't cope up there anymore. You're religious. Can you go up? I said, I'm not religious, David. But I do know and serve a living God. I'll go and see what I can do. And I went up there. There was row upon row of young people on ventilators, life support machines, just waiting the final test before it was turned off. I went to the first bed. There were grieving parents by the side of a teenage boy, brain dead. And I went to put my hands on them and they said, I wish to give you my deepest condolences and sympathy at this time of terrible loss. I just pray that God will comfort you at this time of your desperate situation and loss. At that, the father got up. He got me by the coat lapels and he shook me. And he said, what does God know what it is to lose a son? And then he suddenly stopped. He realized what he'd said. And there were tears pouring down his face. He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, don't be sorry, sir. I can't enter into where you are. But God can. Because he spared not his only son gave him to die on that cruel cross that we might know the reality of eternal life and the forgiveness of our sins through the precious blood of Jesus. We've sung about it this morning. Folk, I hope you individually know the reality of sins forgiven through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But you know, it also, the word of God is not bound in this application to comfort. Many as a time, I've been seeing my patients and some of them have been reading this little book that they find by their bedside. I went up one day to a man, his name was Mr. Hickman, I remember him well. Only a week before I'd had to amputate his right leg for gangrene. And there he was, reading this little testament. And I said, are you enjoying that? And he suddenly broke down and tears poured down his face. I said, what's the matter, my friend? And they said, they cremated my wife this afternoon. Oh, I said, I'm so sorry. Since I've been here and here with the gangrene of my leg, my wife was taken suddenly ill and died. They asked me if I wanted to go to the service, and I just couldn't face it. I just thought I'd sit here 
and read your book. I said, it's not my book, my friend. It's God's book. And there and then, that dear man, he'd lost his leg. He'd lost his wife. But there and then, through the power of God's word, he came to know eternal life in Jesus. What a God we serve, my friends. Amen. What a God we serve. But finally, before I finish, one quick thought. God's word is not bound or limited by its activity. And it can act in each one of our lives. And one of the ways we can actually share it, because we need to get out and share the word of God. We need to share the gospel, the only message that would change the lives of men, women, and children. And I want to commend to you this little Bible app. There are cards right at the back on the table. Do go and get one and download it. This is a Bible app that has the word of God in 1,300 languages. You can simply download it free and you can hear or you can read the word of God in all those languages. I was at a restaurant a little while ago and I wanted to thank the waiter. I said, let me give you a little gift. And he said, oh, no, thank you. I don't read English very well. So I said, well, hold on. Where are you from? He said, I'm from Croatia. So I got my phone out. He said, oh, you won't have my language on it. We went on to Croatia and there are about 10 languages spoken in Croatia. He said, that's mine. So I pressed on it, and for the first time in his life, he heard John 3.16 in his own language. Folks, do download it. It's absolutely free. Download it from the App Store. Gideon Bible App. Go and get a car before you go home. You see, God's word is not limited in its activity. But we've got to share it. We've got to get it out there. We've got to share it with the needy world. We've got to go into all the world. That was the Lord's commission to us, wasn't it? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Share the good news of the gospel. Folks, we need some help in the Gideons. God is giving us great opportunities in hospitals, hotels, schools, prisons, all over the world. But we need manpower. The Bible tells us the fields are white under harvest. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Maybe someone here today who'd like to join us and simply give out the word of God and share it in a needy world. Come and talk to us afterwards. Talk to Alan at the table down there. We'd love you to join us. We need laborers in the harvest field. Or you may want to become a friend and pray for us. Even then you can get a supply of these and give them out yourself. Do you know, there's no thrill like giving out the word of God and seeing God changing you and I can be involved in it because God says, if you sow the seed, I will provide the fruit and the increase. All we've got to do is to sow it. But if we don't sow it, Paul reminds the Romans, how can they hear? Folks, I want to say thank you to you for your faithfulness. Thank you for you for your prayers. Thank you for allowing me to share what a great and sovereign God is doing around the world. But folks, you can play your part too. So please, don't go away without thinking, what can I do to share the power of such a mighty book, a book that's not bound or chained because it's the word of God. May God bless you as you share that word with your friends, with your colleagues, with your workmates, with the people you meet on the bus, the people you meet on the train. Share Jesus without fear and give out the word of God. Thank you and God bless you. Come on, let's really thank Bill for this message. Come on, worship team.